Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast, the number one BYU sports podcast in our hearts and yours. We're super pumped to be with you because college football season is only three weeks away. We are getting ready right now by going over BYU's fall camp. It's going to be a lot of fun talking some BYU football like we haven't been able to in the past. We have a Conference USA preview. It is just so much fun. This episode was amazing. You will love it. Now, before we move into the episode, we want to give a quick shout out to our social media pages at Loyal2RoyalPod on Instagram and Twitter, where you will find a lot of fun, interactive content. If you like the episode, please review it, download, and share it with your friends. Without further ado, let's get to it. Let's. Boom. Don't tag us. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here! That's right! Let's back this Yeah! Yes! Let's go wild, man! Let's go, baby! Let's go! Welcome back, everybody. Was that a mouse? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Oh, there's a mouse in the house. It was a little mouse. Yes, it was a mice. And... Anyway, um, a we're mice in the bison? A mice in the bison. In the goosen. In the woodson. Mike Woodson, head coach of Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dumb diddly founded. Alrighty, well, let's move on then. Um, that was great. That was a good open. Welcome in, everybody, to the best <laughs> podcast out there for BOU football and college football. Number one on the charts. Um, Daniel, unfortunately, is not going to be with us again for this episode, so it's going to get a little messy around here. No one's doing the housekeeping. No wonder there's a mice and the bison and the rison and the whatever, etc. Mike Woodson? Yeah, and the, and the Mike Woodson. <laughs> Guys, we have some very exciting news to share with you. We are already in the month of August, and you know what August means. Football, baby! Let's go! Right now, we have the NFL Hall of Fame game going on, the first game of the preseason. Jared has some more on that later. But what we actually do care about is that college football starts in 22 days. Let's go! Three weeks, one day, till we get to watch Western Kentucky take on... Middle of the Packer FCS school, Austin PA. Let's go. I can't wait for it. Week zero is going to be amazing. And we'll cover that. We're going to have a specific episode just for week zero because of how important it is. Okay? Now, the NFL Hall of Fame game. I turned it on for five minutes because we like to have stuff on while we're recording. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn it on. You know? I turn it on. It's the Jaguars versus the Raiders. Literally no one playing, it will be on the 53-man roster at the end of the preseason. It's horrible. The announcers are just talking about how amazing everyone is and basically just kissing each other's butts, and the game is terrible. They're just punting back and forth. It was horrible. I hate the NFL. I just, I'm, I gotta get it out of my, it just rubbed me so wrong. It rubbed me the, rubbed me the wrong way, the entire broadcast. I just... I had to get it out somewhere, just how much I dislike the NFL. Here's a quick stat for you. Okay, okay. The Jaguars alone had 21 players not playing in this game. Including Travis Etienne, including 
Josh Allen, the outside linebacker, <laughs> and including Trevor Lawrence. That's which honestly, honestly, <laughs> you should be happy you didn't have to see Trevor Lawrence on your television. That's true. So him opting out is a good thing. True, true. But I would like to see him take like just a middle linebacker to the face mask. You know, <laughs> love that. As you can tell, we um, hate Trevor Lawrence on this podcast. We're yes, anti Trevor Lawrence podcast. Very much so. My favorite thing about Trevor Lawrence is his last collegiate pass was an interception in the end zone against the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> Clap it up for Trevor Lawrence. Oh, Trevor and Lawrence. As we all know, that's where his story ends because no one cares about the NFL. Nope. Yeah. So we don't follow the NFL unless it's BYU players in the NFL. Yes. With you know Zach Wilson on the Jets making like somehow making records in fall camp play just like OTAs he's like throwing the ball like 46 miles an hour or something like that they're like they're tracking it yeah which is weird why are they tracking ball speed in practice I, who knows I don't know it's the NFL some wacky stuff goes on there uh, another cougar that's impressing in fall camp or whatever the frick the NFL is doing right now um, Tyler Algier he is picking up a really lot of steam. Impressing. Yeah, people think he's going to be the starter. That's ridiculous. If not the starter, he's going to share at least 40% of the snaps. Which is amazing. That's great for him. I heard one story from a Falcons beat writer where Tyler Algier took on a veteran middle linebacker. And chucked him. And just bowled him over. Put him on his butt. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Speaking of chucking people, is your old familiar friend of the Brigham Young University program. Kai Nakua mm. has switched to linebacker for the New York Jets, and he's been trucking people over. Linebacker. Linebacker. He's beefed up to play linebacker, wow. and he is knocking the snot out of people. He's had like three highlights posted already on Twitter. So. Let's go. Even though I'm like not excited to be a Jets fan because I feel like it's very trendy right now with the whole Zach Wilson situation, I do like the Jets, and I do like their roster. I'm hearing some uh, fan transfer portal rumors from uh, from Jared. Huh? Yes, I may be entering the transfer portal just because I hate that everyone is like 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 when I first jumped on the Zach Wilson bandwagon when he got drafted to the Jets. Like obviously he's a BYU player, I'm gonna be a fan of him. I went to the Jets, yeah. but now that like I've ditched the Cleveland Browns and we had that whole thing where we decided I was gonna be a Jets fan, going to work the last couple of days and just like I feel like the Jets are just too trendy for me. Like. I feel too much. I know they're not good, so it's not a technical bandwagon, but it feels kind of like a social bandwagon nah, to be a Jets okay. fan now. So I, it's not decided. I'm, I'm considering my options. Okay. I've been tampered with, according to Pat Narduzzi. Tampered with. <laughs> Let's talk about a fall camp that we actually care about. That actually that we will actually follow. Yes. That we will follow day and night. BYU fall camp officially began today. Or I guess yesterday, if you're listening to Thursday. this. Yeah, it, it began on Thursday. Players reported on Wednesday. We had our first practice on Thursday, at which Jared was in attendance. Yes, I'm doing an internship with Greg Rubel. And so we were with all the media, like, you know, Deseret, KSL, CBS. They're all, they're all there. So uh, they let us in. Like, we're all watching practice. The one thing that stood out to me, and this is the first thing, of, or the first practice of fall camp, right? So just do an install, like all this, you know, it's not uh, indicative in any way, shape, or form of how the season is going to be, but it does give you an idea of where we're at, where we need to be headed, right? Biggest thing that stood out to me, one, Isaac Rex is practicing. Kalani said he's on a pitch count. 
So obviously he's not going to be going 100% all the time. But he was in on a fair share of his plays today, and he was going 100%. You know, well, at least the same speed everybody else was going. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then secondly, the defensive backs. The defensive backs, I think, are going to be really good. The offense, with the twos in against the, defend- the defending twos, it was a little bit of give and take, right? But with the ones on one, like the first team defense versus the first team offense, they were all over the receivers. Jaron had no one to throw the ball to, no fault of his own, but the receivers were blanketed. And I'm talking Puka. I'm talking um, uh, Gunner. I'm talking Dallin Holker. Jaron couldn't fit him to any of them. Uh, what's his name? Number one that I'm forgetting his Keanu name. Keanu Hill. Keanu Hill. I wanted to say <laughs> Keenan Peely, and I know it's not him. But yeah, Keanu Hill. Nothing. So, something to watch. Something to keep your eye on. I think we're going to have a good defensive back this year. So, you were able to watch it all. Obviously, like, us as, like, you know, me as a normal layman fan, I can't, I, I can only see what Twitter allows me to see, you know, whatever people are reporting. You, there, I did see on Twitter that there was one person in particular that stood out in fall camp today. Who was it, and how did he do? Uh, his name is Down Holker. Excuse yes. me? Yes, Dallin Holker. You mean like the guy that like ran down the sideline like boom 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 <laughs> and like gained 20 yards on what should have been a touchdown? Yes. No, okay. He's big. Let me tell you. He looks so much different than he did and obviously they didn't have pads on, right? But he's not like big and fat anymore. He's tall, he's lanky, he's buff and he is fast. For a tight end, he's fast. He was he was playing kind of like a slot receiver almost like he wasn't always down on the line. He's looking really good. He also switched his number to number five, so watch out for that. Okay. Um, but yeah, he looked really good. Oh, I love that. Love hearing that. Love to hear that Isaac Rex is back. We do have some injury news coming from camp. Not a ton of it, but we do know that Chaz Ayu is not on the fall camp roster, but he was there practicing because he is still dealing with size effects, side effects from a previous injury, the injury that... He's basically had for the last three years. Yeah, and Kalani said in his post-game interview um, that you can go find on my Twitter, at Jared Buckeye. Mm. Mm, yes. Uh, his health, uh, like, it's progressing, but it's just not there yet. Mm. But he will still be a part of the team. Even though he's not on the roster yet, he's still part of the team, and he will be ramping up as the weeks go along. Right. And word from Aaron Roderick is that Isaac Rex, come week one, should be 100% if they play their cards right. Yes. But for me, the biggest thing is seeing Dallin Holker behind Isaac Rex or playing in, in lieu of him. I don't think there will be a huge drop-off. Like, awesome. Isaac Rex is good. I think Dallin Holker will be just as good. So, yeah. I, I'm not worried about that. It's kind of weird because last year, Isaac Rex did not play as big of a role as he did his freshman year. Right. I remember his freshman year, he was tied for the most amount of touchdowns scored by any freshman. Yeah. He scored like 11 touchdowns in like 10 games. Yeah. It was incredible. So he had kind of a down year last year. To no fault of his own, I'll say. Yeah, he just wasn't involved in the offense. Yeah, yeah. So I do think that this year, if he is 100%, will be a bounce back year. If we can have two good tight ends, we can have Gunner and Puka running in the wide receiver positions. We can have Chris Brooks and a solid offensive line. I think we're going to be in a very, very good position. Yes, I agree. Speaking of two tight ends... They did run a couple of double tights, so that was exciting to see. Big boy football. Big boy football. I can't wait for that. I also saw on Twitter, uh, you can confirm or deny this because, again, I'm a layman who was not there, 
Kingsley Suomataya is taking a lot of reps and is looking to be, if not the starter, an interchangeable starter at left tackle. Yes, uh, he was at left tackle a lot today, a mm-hmm. lot with the ones as well. Um, obviously, they're still working through rotations, but I can confirm he did get a lot of snaps. So do they have Blake at the right then? I or are they kind of switching them back and forth? They were they were mixing it a lot. Okay. They were mixing a lot. But I do remember for several plays, Kingsley was in there at left tackle. And I know Coach Defunk has said that he wants all of his linemen, especially the guards and tackles. Obviously, not, the center is not going to change a whole bunch. Right. But right. he wants the tackles to be able to play both sides. He wants the guards to be able to play both sides. He wants tackle and guard to be able to interchange. Because we know we have had problems with offensive line depth in the yes. past. It's not as much of a problem this year. We hope. But of course, you <laughs> always want to prepare for the worst and you want to put your guys in a position to succeed in the future should they need to fill in at a spot they're not, that they're not used to. Yeah, and the media, the portion that the media saw, they were moving guys from right to left, inside and outside. Um, there was just, it was a lot of movement. There wasn't like a set, you know, they started the game with the ones, or the session with the ones, but they were moving everybody everywhere a lot, so... A quick note, because obviously I didn't play offensive line a whole lot, but I did play offensive line some in Pee Wee and Pop Warner and all this stuff. And my dad played offensive line, defensive line all the way through high school. Changing from right tackle to left tackle is a lot bigger adjustment than you might think it is. I know for like people that don't follow football a lot, they might just think, oh, you're just switching sides. What's the big deal? It means a lot because you practice your footwork on one side so much. It's so much muscle memory. It's those steps, it's those arm movements, especially in pass blocking. It's not as big a deal in run blocking, but especially in pass blocking. Then you move to the other side and you have to mirror everything, but your body still wants to do what it did on the other side because you have that muscle memory ingrained into you. So it's a huge adjustment going from one side to another and reading people. So it's a big deal that they're playing on both sides and that they're getting ready to play on both sides. Yeah, it's basically, from what I understand, like, Instead of writing with your right hand, if you're a righty, learning to write with your left hand. Yeah. Like, it's the same, but completely, like... Your muscles just don't weird. know how to move like that. Yeah. And depending on the quarterback as well, like, if you have a quarterback that likes to drift right or drift left, like, you might have to fall into different sorts of protection depending on the quarterback. Exactly. Right? So, that, that is a big change. That, that's, a big, that's a big switch to make. It's always a big change, and they're always the defense is always going to have their best rusher on the blind side of the quarterback too. Yes. So you're switching with that as well. You have to understand, you know, protecting the quarterback's blind side is always so much more important than protecting their front side because you know, obviously you want to protect on all sides, but defender gets passed on the front side, quarterback sees it right away and can can adjust. Yeah. Can adjust. If the tackle gets beat on the blind side, and it could be. A broken leg for your quarterback. It's a blind side for a reason. Yeah. It's blind. That's why they made the movie The Blind Side. <laughs> Michael Orr. Yes. It was a good movie, by the way. That's why left tackle is the second highest paid position. Or was. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not anymore. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows, dude? Money these days. Who cares? NFL isn't even real. No, no one cares about money. the NFL. Money's not real either. Yeah. Okay. Birds yeah. aren't real. Birds aren't real. Justin has a sticker right here. It's true. Birds are not real. <laughs> anyway, um, overall feeling heading into fall camp I think is pretty positive. Um, I think everybody's pretty excited because we have so much returning production, right? The yeah. most in the nation. Um, what are some of the position groups that you want to keep your eyes on, though? Just kind of moving forward, kind of see, you know, gauge where we're at at that point. Sure. Um, I really, I really want to keep an eye on Jaron Hall. I know that's kind of a basic answer, but I'm really high on him. You, historically on the podcast, have been kind of I'm not bringing down. me back down to earth, yes. is what I'll say. You haven't been down on him, but you've been more level. 
I'd like to see, because I do think he is the real deal, and I'd like to see him make that step, make that jump, like Zach Wilson did going from his sophomore to his junior year. I do Which think is it's what Jaren Hall's possible. doing. Exactly. Now, the, the position group that I really, really want to look at, you already mentioned that the DBs are doing great, so I'll leave them off the list. This might not be the sexiest position to look at. I really want to look at the defensive line. I think the defensive line is going to be a huge issue this year because we are playing a lot of Power 5 talent. We are playing a lot of G5 schools that have big guys and that play physical brands of football in Boise State, for example. I want our interior defensive linemen to be able to plug up holes like they weren't able to do against Baylor last year. And especially edge rusher, with Fano being injured, I'd like to see what we do at edge rusher. I've heard good things about Ice, but I'm not sure if he's going to start this year. Batty's been good. I just really want to know what's going to happen in the front four, front yeah. five. No, I, I 100% agree. That's right where my mind went as well, was the defensive line. Uh, quick note, in Ben Bywater's interview that you can go check out on Twitter, you know, Greg Rubel and my Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'll retweet everything <laughs> on the Loyal to Royal, Loyal to Royal Pod Twitter as well. So. Absolutely. Um, the Pape, Pepe Tonavasa is a D-end. Um, he has moved to kind of an outside backer. Now. Okay. So that I mean that's great for him, great for the linebacking corks. So our linebackers are gonna be amazing. Right. But that is one less edge rusher that produced for us last time, had a couple sacks on the season, um, was really good, really fast. We also just for a second before I forget this, we also got a random edge rusher in the portal, like the day before fall camp started from Weber State. Oh, that's right. So yes. that they did add one more piece. Okay. So he's in there. Whether it's least. a quality piece can be argued, but it's a piece. Right, right. Um, but that's where my mind went. Like And like you said, we're playing a lot of Power 5 teams. Listen to the teams that we're playing, right? Arkansas. Physical. Notre Dame. Physical. Baylor. Physical. Oregon. Eh. Oregon is like... Borderline. Borderline, right? But who's their head coach now? Dan Lanning from Georgia. Physical. Physical. <laughs> right? Those are the four hardest games on the schedule, and those are some of the four like most physical teams. Games yep. in the country. Yep. So our D line absolutely. You need to at least hold like stand pat, right? If you can't stop the run, we are going to lose by a million. Yeah. It's you need to stop the run, especially like Arkansas, dude. If you can't stop the run against Arkansas, we're done. We're yeah. Out. And especially with Arkansas, it's not just stopping the run; it's stopping the run and also containing the quarterback run. Right. Because when we go up against Jefferson. He's going to be good throwing the ball. You know, he's not the most incredible thrower out there, but he's accurate he's like he needs to yeah. be. He's going to run the ball a lot if we blow our defensive end coverages, if we blow our outside coverages. So it's going to be so huge. Our defensive line, well, I mean, it always dictates how the <laughs> defense goes. But more than anything this year, especially because we have an unusually strong secondary Defensive line is going to matter so much more than anything else. Right. And it doesn't matter how good your secondary is. If you're giving the quarterback four to five seconds to throw the ball, it doesn't matter how good. You can't cover a good receiver for five seconds. You it's can impossible. put prime time on me. Give me <laughs> ten seconds and I'll get somewhat open. Right. Yeah. Like, the D-line is crucial, like you said, to the entire defense. Um, so I agree with you that one. Um, is there anything else about fall camp? that is kind of on your mind, something you're going to be watching, um, maybe a storyline. One thing I want to know is I've heard both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, because there is so much returning production, that they are going to open up the playbooks a lot more. I want to know what that looks like, especially defensively. 
Defensively, we've always kind of traditionally run a base defense. Just rush three, drop eight, drop rush eight. four, drop seven. Nothing too crazy. I wonder with the returning production, are they going to try more defensive line stunts? Are they going to have the linebackers cross blitzing? Are they going to bring in corner blitzes? That's something I would really like to see, and especially on the offensive side of the ball as well. I'd like to see, because they have so much wide receiver talent in Puka, Keanu Hill, Gunnar Romney, guys, I guess, you know, Chris Jackson is back now, but I don't know if he's playing defense or offense. I yeah, I didn't see Lots that. of wide receiver talent, how they are going to utilize that as well. So I want to see what opening up the playbook looks like. Yeah. How about I, you? No, I love that. And I think the zone read scheme or the zone run, like the outside zone that we ran a bunch last year, mm-hmm. it worked when we had better talent. But as soon as the talent was equal or better than us or their depth was better than us, like it didn't work. Boise mm-hmm. State and Baylor are the obvious you know, examples. We couldn't run the ball. We, absolutely, we got stuffed and, and we lost. Um, so that's something that I really want to watch as well. Um, for me, it's mainly on the defensive side. Because okay. of the production, because of how deep our secondary is, I want to see our our defensive coordinator trust in like some zero coverage. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to yep. see one-on-one on the outside. D'Angelo Mandel, Gabe Judy Lolly, um, Malik Moore. Corbin Green, shout Corbin him out. Corbin Green, Jacob Robinson. Like We have dudes in, this, in the secondary. I want to see them. Man on man, so you can send that extra guy or two, get pressure on the quarterback. You know what I want to see? If Malik Moore has improved his catching ability. <laughs> Honestly, like we rag on Malik Moore sometimes for dropping those interceptions last year, but he was such an incredible player and he had some incredible interceptions. Malik Moore is just an absolute beast out there on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. We just trying to find something to make content out of i guess so sorry malik moore we love you we we do love you um last thing um before we get to our ad and our conference usa preview on the let me side. hear it this is an open forum chris brooks tell me he is a freak this man has the biggest thighs i have ever seen Dude, on a human I'm telling being you i saw him in the cougar eat that one time <laughs> Dude's got massive tree trunks for thighs. <laughs> he had his uh, his jersey like zeked up, you know, like yeah. exposing his belly, you know. Straight washboard, bro. It was like daredevil abs, bro. It was. He is a monster. So I am very excited about him when when he like gets running too. It's oh. downhill. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Harvey Unga a little bit. If Harvey was a little faster. And a little small, like oh man, it's gonna it's gonna be something else watching him in the backfield. Oh man, Chris Brooks was two hundred and five pounds in high school. That's the most recent thing. Two two hundred thirty five pounds last year at Cal, with a full another year of weight training. Oh my goodness, this man, and I honestly like, and I know everybody bags on Lopini, you know, yeah, for because the fumbles. for the fumbles. He's actually, like, not a bad back. Yeah. He's actually pretty good. And today, he really impressed me as well. He's really fast. He hits the holes. Like, I think the experience has been really good for him Mm -hmm. because he's, like, so, I don't know. I know that people are worried about the Tyler Algier being gone and the running back group. I think we're good. I I believe in the bounce back for Katoa. Mm -hmm. I really do. I've also heard, heard, I saw on Twitter... That McChesney had a pretty good day. I don't know if you saw him in at all, but apparently he caught a bunch of passes out of the backfield. Is running hard and playing like a beast. 
Yeah, the the part I, I only saw him for like two or three plays, but he was catching balls on the backfield a lot. So it's good to have those guys in different packages. You know, if they're in there for like a second down, right? Have that threat out of the backfield. I think that's big for us. You gotta love cheese. 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 Anyway, I think it sufficeth us to say we are hyped oh, about for, BYU football. Thank yeah, baby. Very excited. Only 29 days until BYU kicks off in Tampa to take on the USF Bulls. Dude, we're almost there. <laughs> oh Dude. my goodness. Less than a month. Oh, oh my gosh. Baby. Okay. Uh, let's get to our ad, and then let's jump into the CUSA preview. This episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast is brought to you by Copper Pants. Here on the Royal Strong and True Podcast, we only believe in the metallic object of copper. Zinc? Nope. Iron? Nope. Cast iron? Even worse, get that out of here. The best conductive metal for cooking your eggs in the morning and for cooking your ground beef in the evening is a copper pan. Copper pans are beautiful, easy to clean, and they sponsor the Royal Strong and True podcast. So you should look into replacing every single metallic object in your kitchen with copper. Can I just say one thing? Absolutely. Uh, the Minecraft nowadays, there's too much copper. There's tons of copper in Minecraft. There's there's too much. There's I can't find iron and or freaking coal even. You, you gotta go further underground. I, I, I really do. I really do. But it's don't just be, don't be scared. It, it build a shield. I I still don't know how to. I, there's so much stuff in Minecraft these days, like shield. There's like these guys that chase you down after three days of not sleeping, and they just the eat you. Yeah. yeah. What the freak, dude? I'll teach you. I'll teach you, Jerry. Okay. I'll, we, I'll, I'll hop on Minecraft. We can. Yeah. We can I, you need to teach me the ways because, like, back when I was playing, it was just like mining and crafting. Yeah, that was literally it. The worst thing in the world was like a creeper, <laughs> and now there's like freaking all this crap everywhere. Yeah, I definitely Don't need to teach you. me the ways. Can you use copper for anything? At, like uh, a lightning rod. That's all I've heard of. Lightning rod. You can use it to make. Um, like telescope kind of things. Okay. So you can zoom in. You can make copper That's blocks nice. for like decorations and whatnot. Okay. Uh, yeah, we should probably hit a stop on this ad oh, now. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that was something. That was something. The copper. Good. Cop- look look out for the Royal Strong and True Minecraft server coming soon. <laughs> yes. That would be better than fantasy football. <laughs> All right. Uh, Conference USA. This is by far the most forgotten conference in college football. Yep. Uh, not by us. Not by us, though. No, definitely not by us. Um, if you're a BYU fan, you may remember that the last game BYU played was against a Conference USA opponent. <laughs> Justin is not happy. No! <laughs> We're not going to talk about them for a while. Okay. Uh, let's not. Anyway, is this the conference of acronyms? It is the conference of acronyms. It has the weirdest schools ever: Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee, Florida Atlantic University, Florida International University. Mm. Like there's there's some like services I use to like look up stats and everything. Yeah. And it's always the spelled out names of the school. <laughs> like for example, like USC will be like Southern California or something like yeah. that. Looking up these conference USA schools. 
they didn't even bother to type them out. It was just WKU, UTSA, <laughs> UTEP. Because nobody knows it as the University of Texas El Paso. Yeah. It's UTEP. That's yep. what it is. Yep. And that's what Conference USA is. <laughs> um, I'd just like to point out, they also have some pretty interesting mascots. That they do. We got two owls. Mm-hmm. Is that wild or what? Two owls as mascots. <laughs> we got the 49ers. They're plagiarizing the... <laughs> yep. That's nice. Um, we got a Panthers. Oh, that's pretty normal. That's normal. Oh, Miners. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Minecraft. Uh, <laughs> Roadrunners. Roadrunners. We got these like blue raider people that are basically just like people on a blue horse with wings with spears. Yep. It's cool. The mean green. <laughs> Whatever that means. The mean And green. their mascot is like a bird. I, you know what? I'll let them have it. The mean green. Shout out to my brother-in-law, North Texas med school graduate. Oh, hey. Cool, cool. I didn't know they had med school. That's awesome. Uh, And then we got like the Blazers of UAB. That's pretty dope. That's a sick. They have a freaking dragon on the helmet. Um, (laughs) Can't forget the blob. The blob. The blob from Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. Their mascot is literally just a red blob and it's called the blob. It's, It's a blob. It's a it's a fun mascot to play with in mascot ma- mascot oh. mashup is that what it's yes. called yeah in NCAA so play with the blob that's great um also I love their logo Western Kentucky that's just like a disembodied hand grabbing like a, a towel, towel. <laughs> that's great atop the hill baby that's that's the standard of truth right there <laughs> uh, we'll take it anyway um so CUSA Marshall used to be in the CUSA they have left to the Sun Belt they're out. The CUSA will be getting a couple of new additions from the FCS level in coming years. Mm-hmm. I think it's next year, actually. Yes. Right? Yep. Like Sam Houston, for example, mm-hmm. and a couple of others. Um, so this year there are 11 teams. Mm-hmm. No divisions. Yep, did away with divisions. The top two teams in conference by winning percentage against conference opponents will go to the championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, any questions? No, no questions. Let's get to it. All right, let's do it. Let's kick it off with Charlotte, shall we? The 49ers. 49ers. Charlotte's always a fun team to watch because they win games that they shouldn't and they lose games that they shouldn't as well. (laughs) Charlotte has never been a great team ever since they moved up from the FCS ranks. Their win total is set at four. How do you feel about the 49ers? Uh, I see what Vegas did there. Mm-hmm. Four to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. So are you taking the over? They're going to win nine? 4.9, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, actually, I, I think I am going to take the over, actually. Oh, my golly gee. So they they actually started the season pretty well. Uh-huh. But then they lost their five of their last six. Mm-hmm. And that sucked. Um, I don't really know what happened. They just completely fell off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, so this year, they're returning 74% production. That's pretty good. Yeah. Hopefully, they've learned their lesson, right? Obviously, the schedule is very hard. You're definitely not going to win six games or five games to start the season, right? Mm-hmm. You got FAU, probably a loss. William and Mary, I think you can win that one. And then you got a bunch of losses. Maryland, Georgia State, South Carolina, UTEP. UAB. I think they can beat FIU. I think they can beat Rice. And then to end the season, home game versus Louisiana Tech. I think that gets you over. I'm not very confident, but I'm going to pick the over. 
I'm going to slam the under on this one, actually. Ooh. I do think they can beat UTEP, and I do think that they will. Ooh. But I, I'm very not very high on UTEP this year. Interesting. FIU, obviously, for anybody, is an automatic win. Yep. Sorry, FIU. You suck. But you. getting to five wins with this schedule, I think, is going to be hard, especially because they screw themselves over in the non-con scheduling. Maryland, <laughs> Georgia State, your only other G5 non-con. Come on, man. Georgia State's going to be good this year. Yep. And at South Carolina. Not That's three that losses out of the conference already, and now in an eight-game conference schedule, you have to win four. You have to go at least four and four. I don't think they can do it. The rest of the Conference USA continues to get better. Charlotte remains stagnant. I'm going under because I do not see five. Three is more likely than that. All right. Uh, you may have convinced me, but hand us off the chess piece. Right. Stand with the over. Sorry, that was that was a lot of action on Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, anyway, let's go to FAU. The Owls, baby, of Florida Atlantic University. Now, this is an interesting team. They've struggled in years past, but they've started to get progressively better for the past two years. Their win total this year is set at bowl game level, six and a half. Um, This is an interesting one. Um, because last year they also fell off a cliff. Mm. They lost their last four games of the season to mm. miss out on bowl eligibility. They only had to win one. Yep. Couldn't do it. Uh, don't return a ton of production, but they do get almost their entire offensive line and uh, defensive line back. So that's something that I'm looking at. Their out-of-conference is pretty tough. They go to Ohio. Mm. Probably lose that one. I don't know. I think you, you have a chance, though. Uh, UCF, L, Purdue, L, mm. Southeastern Louisiana, dub. Um, I see a couple of wins on here for sure. Obviously, Southern LA, uh, North Texas, maybe. Rice, you can win. FIU, you can win. Middle Tennessee State, you can probably win. I don't know. I'm not very confident in this one, but I just don't think they have enough oomph to get to seven. I think they will get to six, but I don't think they'll get to seven. So, I'm taking the under. Initially, I had the over on this, but now that I'm taking a second look at it, I do think they can get a win versus Charlotte week one. do think they'll win against their FCS opponent. But then I have their other wins at North Texas, at UTEP, at FIU, at Middle Tennessee. Now, throwing at FIU out, they would have to win all of those games to go over, and three of those are away. I think they're going to drop one, dropping them to at least six wins. So I do think they'll go bowling. So I'm also going under. Yeah. I think it's a close one, but I, I think we both agree FAU is going bowling. Yeah. Right? Just not seven. No. All right. On to FIU. Mm-hmm. Very different prognostication here. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I'm using that word correctly. I don't even know if that is a word. Uh, let's say it is. Shall okay. We? Um, this team was really bad last year. Yeah. Their only win was versus LIU, mm-hmm. and then they lost 11 straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is going to be that kind of a year again. Mm-hmm. They'll beat Bryant, and I don't know if they'll win another game. They do play at New Mexico State and at er, and home against UConn. Those are two winnable games. Those are on par with them. Yeah. But even if you do, you're still at three, which is their over-under. So I don't think you get to four. I think... Three is the max. I'm taking the under. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this team goes 1-11. Um, I think they'll beat Bryant. Texas State is on their level as well. Texas State sucks. 
but they lost Texas State in overtime at FIU last year. They're they traveling to two. Texas State. They're traveling to New Mexico State. I don't think they can win those. I'm taking the under hard on this one. And say they even do win those. They're still at three. <laughs> they're still at three. So, yeah. They're not going to be all four of the opponents that are on their level. No. No. No way. Not going to happen. No way. Yeah. There's FIU's no, a dumpster fire. There's no way. I would slam this under. Um, next, we head to Lottich. 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 Uh, Louisiana Tech. Over under of 5.5. They return 52% of production. That is not a good number. They were pretty competitive at the beginning of the season last year, but then fell off a cliff like normal. I think this is the theme of Conference USA. Just falling off a cliff towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Anyway, over under is 5.5. What are you taking, Justin? I'm going to slam the over on this one, actually. I'm a believer in the Bulldogs and the fighting. Oh, man, I just forgot his name. The Steelers legend. He's an analyst now. I, I no totally idea. forgot his name. I just, sorry, but the fighting hymns. I think the Bulldogs are going to have a decent team this year. I like how their offense especially is going to be, though it is kind of unproven. I know you're high on South Alabama, and I'm on the opposite side, so that might flip it for you. I'm not mm. sure. But I think they'll win Stephen F. Austin, win South Alabama. They have okay. UTEP on the schedule still. Rice, FIU on the road, which means they get Middle Tennessee at home and Charlotte. I think they get to six, if not seven wins. Ooh, wow. Doubt seven. They'll definitely reach six over. See, I can see six, but I just think five is a little more probable. Because like you said, I am high on South Alabama. I don't think you're going to go to South Alabama and win. Um, you'll beat Stephen F. Austin. You'll beat Rice. You'll beat FIU. And you'll probably win maybe one or two of the next or of these three games at North Texas, Middle Tennessee State, at Charlotte. I don't think they win all three of those, though, so I'm going to take the under on Louisiana Tech. All right, fair enough. Next up, we have those colored Raiders that you were talking about that are flying in with their spear on their Pegasus. We got Middle Tennessee. Now, Middle Tennessee State is an interesting school. I actually had a coach that played for Middle Tennessee State briefly as a long snapper. Oh, most important position in football. Shout out to Coach Backland. Um, so Louisiana Tech's win total is set at five and a half, or sorry, sorry, Middle Tennessee's win total is set at five and a half. I saw the win totals and <laughs> they're the exact same. Will Middle Tennessee go bowling? Uh, I think they will. Last year they did and they beat Toledo in the Bahamas Bowl. Toledo. Uh, they had just a couple of dumb losses to Charlotte and Old Dominion. Yeah. But other than that, they were right where they should be, which is like maybe the upper half of the like second tier, right? Like... Because obviously in Conference USA, there's a couple teams that are on a whole nother level. Yeah. And then there's the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Middle Tennessee is kind of towards the upper half of the rest of the schools. So I think they do go bowling. They play at James Madison in James Madison's first game as an an FBS program. Um, I think they can probably win that one. You probably beat Tennessee State. You should, anyway. And then they got a bunch of losses on the schedule until you get to at Louisiana Tech, Charlotte at home, FAU at home, and at FIU. This is the thing that does it for me. Yes, they return 49% of production. Um, But their head coach, he's heading into his 17th year with the program. He's had ups and downs, but for the most part, he's gotten them to that 6-6, 7-5 you know, bowl eligibility level, and I think he does it again. I, I'm just banking on his experience with who he has coming back. 
favorable schedule towards the end of the season. If they can stay locked in mentally, I think they can get to six. Okay. I think Middle Tennessee is in a similar boat to Charlotte. The rest of the Conference USA is getting better while they stay stagnant. Mm. For them to reach six wins, in my mind, things would have to go perfectly. Not a single slip-up. And at these lower divisions where you have this you know, questionable talent sometimes, you cannot expect a perfect season. I think five is the ceiling for this team. I'm going under. All right. We are having a lot of parody on this one. Yes, we are. This conference is getting to us. Conference USA, dang it. So far combined, we've taken <laughs> we've taken the under six times. Seven, sorry, seven times. Seven times? Seven times. Unfortunately, I'm going to go with the under on our next team as well. I feel really bad. I, I honestly do have like a lot of unders here. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, North Texas, they lost to Miami, Ohio in a bowl game. Last year, but they got to a bowl game. Yes, they did. They started one and six. They lost six in a row, and then they finished off the season with five wins until they got to the uh, to the bowl. Um, and their losses were to good teams: SMU, UAB, Missouri, Marshall, Liberty. Liberty was really good last year, um, so they were honestly pretty good. And they returned twenty the twenty third amount of production in the nation. Eight offensive starters back. Linebacker core is looking really good. However, why do I have Texas Southern penciled as in an L? That's weird. <laughs> um, I'm still taking the under, though, because I don't think this team is going to get to seven. I think six is very possible, even probably the most probable. But you're not getting to seven. I'm taking the under here. I absolutely agree. I think six is the right number. I think Vegas did a very good job with this. I think they will go bowling. I do believe in this mean green team, but I do not believe in them enough to go over to the seven. So I'm going, I'm going to take the under. Yeah. I, seven is just such a far reach. Like, and it feels stupid because six and seven is one game. I just, there's no way they get to seven. I, I don't see it. Let's see if our under streak continues. For, next up, we have a school named after a item of food, mm. often considered to be the Ivy League of Texas. Rice. Oh, I thought you were going to go burrito. No, no. Okay. Rice University, their win total is set at two and a half. This is a program that has been in the dumps, lit on fire, and abandoned for years. Now, they are investing a tiny bit more into the program now, but where do you see them going with their win total set at two and a half? Two and a half. Okay, so that's really low. (laughs) Really, really, really low. Okay. I think you beat McNeese, right? Okay. That's one win. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not going to win the rest of your non-con. You play ULL at Houston USC. Mm-hmm. Show me the wins. Where are they? Where are they? There are no wins on this schedule. Give me the under. No I. No I, senor. I think there are three games that could theoretically turn into wins. Show them to me. Show them to me. Versus McNeese. One. Yep, yep. Versus Charlotte. Mm. So they get Charlotte, at, they get Charlotte at home. I have Charlotte winning that game 58% of the time. Okay. At least it'll be close. UTEP at home. Mm. I have UTEP at home. Rice winning that game 52% of the time. Interesting. Now, do I expect them to win those? They're All three of them are at home. <laughs> all three of them, they have a good chance of winning. Under. I'm taking the under. It's not there. The wins aren't there. You're completely right, Jared. Under. 
Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong at just talking STTPQ, whatever the frick you are on Twitter. Just talking STTTP? Yeah. Please tweet at me and tell me Rice has a good home field advantage. Yeah. Okay. What's up with the Rice home field advantage, huh? <laughs> how, how, Rice stadium capacity. I'm looking it up right now. It's capacity. Maybe they play in like a bowl. And so they have a lot of capacity. Bruh. 70,000. 70,000. Now, what's their average attendance? What? I, it's got to be like 26 tops. No. Rice does not have enough home field advantage to win them all three of those 20,000. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm sorry. That's not enough uh, home field advantage to win you all three of those games. So, I think the other's a pretty safe play here. Oh, yeah. It's the safest. All right, here, now we get into... So many unders. <laughs> now we get Is to... Is this even mathematically possible? Uh, now, I've been saying a, bit, a bunch of unders, and this might balance it out a little bit, because these last couple of teams, I'm pretty high on. Okay. We'll start with UAB. All right. The Cougar Killers. Oh! <laughs> um, they were very good last year. They showed BYU uh, what's up. They lost to UTSA by three. UTSA mm-hmm. was amazing last year. Yep. They lost to Rice at mm-hmm. home last year. <laughs> but then they lost to Georgia and Liberty. So And they lost their head coach this year as well. Yes. Um, now, regardless that Bill Clark retired, I am very high on this UAB team. Over under set, eight and a half. Justin, let's hear from you first. What are you thinking about the Blazers? I think they're a very good team. I think they're a very solid team. I think... Physically, they can outperform almost everyone in Conference USA. They've recruited at a different level than Conference USA. They just stole one of BYU's recruits in Emmanuel Waller, so <laughs> rest in peace that. Kalani, that's why you need to care about bowl games. I'm going over on this. I do think that they will get to nine wins, and I think they'll get to it easily. All right. Uh, I look at the schedule. I have one game that is a loss. Oh, one one loss on the schedule. Now, do I think they're going to go 11-1? and one? Probably not. I'm not as high on UAB as you are, but okay. I'll hear you out. And I think they can win that one game. They play at LSU, second to last game of the season. Hmm. Who knows what LSU is going to be? People think, oh, Joe Burrow just won a national championship there. Oh, Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame, and they've gone to a bunch of CFP games that they absolutely didn't deserve to go to. Mm-hmm. They're obviously going to just kick it off, you know, hit it off, and just get rolling, you know? No, I don't know if that will happen. It definitely could. But there's also just a good of a chance that it all goes to heck and that the team, LSU is heinously known for opting out. Mm. By the end of the season, they just don't care anymore. Yep. So I think if UAB is on a tear, they might win that game. Anyway, long-winded answer I don't think they win all of their games, but I think they should be favored in all but one or two of those games. So give me that over. I think eight and a half is a very safe play for this. I think nine is very easy to get to. All right. Let's move on to NCAA March Madness champion, Texas Western, known now as the University of Texas El Paso, UTEP. (laughs) The Miners, their win total is set at five and a half. They've been up and down the past few years. How do you think it goes this year? Uh, see, I know you're not very high on this UTEP team. Mm-hmm. I am. Oh. I actually am. I think they're going to be pretty good. They were pretty good last year. They were second tier, definitely, but they were the top of the second tier last year. They went 7-6. and six. They lost to Fresno State in a bowl game. 7-5 and five in the regular season, mind you. 
Um, and all of their losses were very close and competitive. Now, they returned 71% of production, and they have a favorable schedule. They get Boise State in the non-con, but at home. They go to Oklahoma. That's a loss. You get New Mexico State at New Mexico. I think you can beat North Texas. I think you can beat Charlotte, Louisiana Tech, FAU, Mountain, or Middle Tennessee, Rice, FIU. And then maybe you lose to UTSA again. Maybe you lose to Boise at home. I, I think this is a very safe play for the over here. But I want to hear your side because uh, I've gathered that you maybe are not quite as high on UTEP. Yeah, I, I have their ceiling set at four wins. Wow! I think three <laughs> wins is the most likely scenario given this schedule. I don't think their schedule is as easy as you're letting on. I think they lose to North Texas to start, lose to Oklahoma, beat New Mexico State. But at New Mexico, that's not an easy place to play. I think they lose that one as well. And they lose to Boise State. Boom, there you go. Already starting one and four. Then you have to travel two road games in a row and then take on FAU and Middle Tennessee before getting your first cupcake game in Rice. It's a tough schedule. I don't think you, I think UTEP last year was good, but they were also very lucky. They had some dumb luck in a lot of games, a lot of close games. They had close losses, but they also had close wins. I think it bounces the other way. I think this minor team will be abysmal next year. Interesting. All right. See, I... I'm like playing the seven and five, eight and four game over here. I'm Justin is literally three, the nine, opposite. Four and eight. <laughs> Interesting. That'll be a team to watch then. UTEP. Keep your eyes on them, listeners. Uh, now we go to UTEP's rival, University of Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunner. They were absolutely amazing last year. Um, they did lose to San Diego State in the bowl game, which was kind of sad, mm-hmm. but. 12 and 2, 11 and 1 in the regular season. Uh they were they were really good. Yeah. I love their head coach Jeff Trailer. Incredible. Uh, Sincere yeah. McCormick is gone, yeah. but they do get back quarterback Frank Harris, their top 3 wide receivers, mm-hmm. four four linemen are back. Um not a ton on the defense, but they still have the 31st best return production numbers. Um over under set 8 and a half. How are you feeling about this team? Right away, I'm going to take the over on this UTSA team. They did lose Sincere McCormick. I do not think they will be as good this year against the Power Five. But amongst their Conference USA peers, I do think that they are still a step ahead. I have this team going probably, most likely, 10-2. and two. So easily reaching the over. Give me the over on the Roadrunner. Yes, I think they definitely could go eight and four, but I think 10 and two is even more probable yeah. than that. Um, I got their two losses, Houston and then at Texas. Is that what you have? I have Houston and at Texas. Yes. Yep. I think you can definitely lose at army. If you're yeah, not ready for that, it's going to be a tough one. Can lose. Um, and at UAB, I think that's going to be a tough game. That's also going to be a tough game. Um, yeah. but they are coming off a bye for that game. And so that gives me hope that they can steal that one. Uh, either way, I don't think you lose all four of those hard games, right? I think yeah. you definitely lose the two, uh, Texas and Houston. But I think you're going to win one, either at Army or at UAB. I don't think you lose both of them. Give me that over. All right. Last up in the Conference USA, we have the Hilltoppers. The blob. The fighting Bailey Zappies. Bailey Zappi lit up defenses last year, setting multiple FBS records for yards thrown, for touchdowns thrown. It was incredible. Broke a record, broke Joe Burrow's record that everyone thought would never be broken. 
<laughs> he's gone. A lot of other production is gone. Their win total is set at eight and a half, but they do play thirteen games this year, mm. taking advantage of an old Hawaii loophole NCAA law. So, what are you taking? Over under eight and a half. Uh, first off, first note about Western Kentucky: the Conference USA Championship game between Western Kentucky and UTSA last year, dynamite. Yep, go dynamite. watch that. Um, but like you said, eight and a half. I think inflates maybe our uh, perception of them, right? Yeah. Because they play those 13, right? Mm. So say you take away Austin PA, that's a seven and a half. So maybe they're not in that top tier with UTSA, UAB, right at the top of the conference. However, I do think they will be okay. They did lose Bailey Zappi in their OC, but I think you're still going to beat Austin PA. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's the first game of college football season. <laughs> Uh, I think you win at Hawaii, obviously. You beat FIU. Yeah. I think you can beat North Texas, Charlotte, Rice. Got a couple of toss-ups on here. Um, Middle Tennessee, Troy, FAU. I just think nine is going to be hard. I know they get an extra game in there. I just I don't see nine, even with the 13 games. Um, you're going to have to beat one of these four, I think, it, to get to nine. You're going to have to either win at Indiana, at UTSA, UAB at home, or at Auburn. I think they win at Indiana. All right. Well, there you have it. If they do win at Indiana, I think they can go over. However, I just don't know if they can avoid any other losses, even if they do win one of those. So I'm going to take the under here. I'm going to have to agree with you. I do think this is an 8-5 and five team. Um, Western Kentucky is good. They're not that great. They don't have that. Their backup quarterback is okay. Definitely not Bailey Zappi. They took advantage of Bailey Zappi's arm last year. Now they're going to have to rebuild entirely offensively with the new system being put in. I do love that they are the first game of the year. 10 a.m. Mountain Time, August 27th. You know what? Make sure you're watching it. Let's both give them a dub for that one. It was a toss-up against Austin PA, but we'll give them a dub. I will say, though, most of their losses... Oh, they'll, they'll take an L at Auburn at the end of the year, in my opinion. But, oh man, I think second place in Conference USA is decided week eight. I think that's week eight. Week seven or week eight when they play <laughs> UAB at home. Mm. I think that decides second place. Interesting. So that is a huge game to watch out for. Western Kentucky versus UAB week... Oh my goodness, I can't even count. It's week eight. Week eight. Week eight. Watch that game. It'll be huge for Conference USA. But again, taking the under. Eight and five. All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up for all the teams then. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go into our conference champions then. Let's go for it. Um, for me, I think there are separate tiers okay. in Conference USA, kind of like we said. I think last year... It was UAB and Western Kentucky, or not UAB, uh, UTSA and Western Kentucky, and then there was everybody else. Mm. I think this year there are two tiers ahead of everyone else. Um, Well, if you want to count Rice and FIU, you can, you know, put them down at the bottom. Yeah. For me, UAB and UTSA are on another plane. I think those two will be the teams competing for the Conference USA Championship. So who do you have in first place? Um, I don't know. Probably UAB, but... I, I couldn't tell you. So who wins the championship game, though? I'm going to have to go with UAB. UAB? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just me remembering the bowl game last year. Yeah. 
But I do think UAB is a physical team. They can hang. They're not afraid of anybody. UTSA might be just a, take a little bit of a step back. Um, and so I, I'll, give me the Blazers. Give me the Blazers. Blazers. Dan agrees with you. He has UAB first, UTSA second, UAB winning. So All right. He absolutely agrees with you, Stephen Shry. I have UTSA coming in first, UAB coming in second. All so right. all of us have a UTSA-UAB <laughs> championship game, but I have UTSA winning this one. I do think that Jeff Trailer is an incredible coach and that he will be able to out-coach a first-year head coach at UAB for the championship. All right. I can totally see that reasoning. UTSA is going to have a really good team this year. Um, if Frank Harris can you know, take a little bit of a step up and – have the passing game compensate for the loss of Sincere McCormick, they could be really, really good this year. Absolutely. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for the Conference USA preview. Do you have any parting thoughts on the Conference USA? My parting thoughts are, do not neglect the Conference USA. There's a lot of people that only watch it their team. Make sure you're watching the entire college football landscape because it is all one interwoven web and it is absolutely beautiful to watch these two schools that you've never heard of in your life and you never would have heard of if it wasn't for football compete at 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. There is nothing better than watching these teams compete. These these schools play because they love football, not because they love money. Do not neglect the CUSA. Watch it. I agree. I 100% agree. I remember last year I was watching a Charlotte game. Okay, I think it was Charlotte Middle Tennessee State. Yes. And it's wild. It's it's exciting football. And these games are like on CBSSN at like 5 p.m. on Friday night, right? Yeah. You know, kind of like oh, yeah. the classic G5, right? Mm-hmm. You know, play early weeks so you can get a, a bigger, uh, you know, viewership. Um, but these teams care. Like, I, I think do. that's something that people think about. They're like... Who, who cares about this team? Well, guess what? The players do and the fans do, mm-hmm. okay? Except for Rice because they're probably studying for tests and yeah. whatnot. Mm-hmm. But CUSA is a fun conference to watch. Don't overlook them like Justin said. There'll be a lot, there'll be a lot of Conference USA games on uh, late Friday night, Thursday night. That big Week 8 game, UAB and Western Kentucky, 6 p.m. on a Friday. Hey, there, hey, there you go. So... Keep your eyes out. It's exciting football. If you love the sport, you will love Conference USA this year. Watch them. Now, I would like to say one thing. Let's hear it. I'm going to pick an upset Mm -hmm. of the year. Upset of the year? Yes. Upset of the year for Conference USA. Okay. It is coming. Western Kentucky. Week whatever. Second to last week of the season. At Auburn. Count me in for Western Kentucky over Auburn, Auburn is going to not be in a good spot at that point. They're going to be looking ahead to the Iron Bowl coming the next week. Western Kentucky is going to come in probably like 7-4. and four. They're going to smack up Auburn. Okay. I, you heard it here first. Going into Auburn, they're going to win. All right. Yeah. We'll see it. If you remember, Georgia State came into Auburn last year and had a puncher's chance if they didn't take out Bo Nix at the end of the fourth quarter there, Gosh, Auburn loses that game. Bo Nix. Bo Nix almost had that game won for Georgia State. We'll see Bo Nix week two. Oh, dude. I'm so excited for that. Like, Bo Nix like, is so I bad. can't wait to go to oh, Oregon. It's going to be so much fun. He's probably going to torch us, though, for all that we've said about him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my upset of the year. Conference USA is going to pull one out this year. All righty. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our BYU football talk and Conference USA preview. We are very excited for college football season starting in only 22 days from the release of this episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review and make sure to download and share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod for some more news, fun content, and interactive, dumb reels that you will love. You will see our challenges. You'll see Jared puking out cheeseburgers. It's It's incredible. Terrible. Thank you for joining us. We love you. We'll see you next time. Goodbye now.